This morning we're going to look at um, continuing a series together entitled Thrive. So if you have a Bible handy, would you turn to John chapter 15 just for a moment or two? And uh, we're going to just uh, look at one verse or two and uh, share together and then come and um, pray together as we conclude. In John chapter 15, um, Jesus says to the disciples that I, he says, I am the true vine. John 15 verse 1, I am the true vine and the father is the gardener. I am the true vine, says Jesus, and the father is the gardener. John 15 verse 1, I think that's from the NIV. And uh, so last um, Sunday that we were together, or a few Sundays ago, uh, we introduced this series and on looking at, we'll be looking at John 15 together and what does it mean to to thrive. God, God I, I believe that you and I are born to thrive. I'm not utterly convinced that it's not just to exist or survive, but God wants me to thrive. That's not just a buzzword, but as we look at this together, we see that Jesus wants us to be fruitful. And not only to be fruitful, but it goes on in John 15 verse 5, to bear much fruit. Not just to be fruitful, but to have much fruit. To have lives that are much fruitful. That doesn't make uh, English, but that's what he's saying there. He wants us, in other words, to thrive. Our marriages, our homes, our lives. What does that mean at work, in our relationship with God? What does it mean to thrive? What does it mean to be fruitful? We might have an understanding that might be materially. We'll have a lot of money, or we'll have a great job, or we'll have a successful marriage, or whatever it might be. So in the weeks ahead, we'll look at what it means to be fruitful, to truly thrive in God. And so... Um, the last time I spoke, I introduced the theme, and we looked at the idea of, in the psalm, it says, get out of the traffic, be still and know that I am God. The message says, get out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at God. And we looked at what it means to do that. And then um, in, uh, we, we also looked at the idea of uh, following Jesus, where he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. In the message, it says, learn from me the rhythms of grace. And so uh, a few Sundays ago, we looked at the idea of what does it mean to come out of the traffic, the pace of life, and then come, when we do, to learn the rhythms of grace. And I, was, I said that I believe that there is a rhythm of life. God puts, is the creator. There are seasons. There are also seasons in our lives, but there are seasons of grace. There's a particular grace for your particular moment in time. So just as uh, Pastor Annette said, you know, that nothing can separate us from God. And it, whether you, it's, a, it's a point in life where we're diagnosed with a condition that seems to feel that we can't feel or see God. There is a season, there is a rhythm of grace in that moment. And there's something, and God knows you personally by name. And so there's a particular sense of grace, his unmerited favor for your life, marriage, time, this moment. And what was good one time might not be so good now, but there's a season, a rhythm of grace for you and me. And we looked at that. Uh, I don't want to go on, on and on about that, so I've got to move on. But you can see that. Uh, you can listen to that, rather, for free on our, our church uh, website, or if you go on iTunes and do the Long Eaton Oasis podcast, we make everything available so that you can be resourced and encouraged. So this morning, we want to look at the father. The, uh, my father is the gardener. And uh, what does that mean? And uh, where are we going to go with that? So Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
So let's look at the vine first of all. So we're going to look at the vine. What does it mean? The, the Father, Jesus being the vine, the Father being the gardener. What does that mean to our lives? How do we put that into practice? We're going to come and conclude and pray together. So first of all, the vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. In to the people of the time, 2,000 years ago, in the part of the world, Palestine, in, in Israel, in the eastern part of the world, this understanding of the vine was, would have been monumental to you and I. It might be a big deal. It's a hot climate. It's a vine. But the vine was incredibly important to Israel. God described his people as his vine and vineyard, his true vineyard. His intention was them to be fruitful and to spread his essence and peace across the earth. And in, in Israel, a vine is a particular plant that because of the climate, uh, if watered well, can grow really well and gives great fruit. And he talk, God talks of Israel being the vine. And so much so that in the temple, it was a symbol of the old temple. Now, that all we see now in Jerusalem is the Wailing Wall. It's the foundations of the temple. But over the temple, there was the cast of the vine. It was actually enshrined over the temple to show that the, they, the, the people were the, the vine. But what happened, obviously, is over in the Old Testament and over their generations... Israel had come and gone. There were highs and lows. There were points where Israel had sinned against God. And so now Jesus comes when he was on the earth. And in the New Testament, the new covenant, the new relationship that he now offers with you and I, he describes himself as the true vine. This amazing true vine. He's the real vine, the true vine. A vine... Um, growing in the right climate, the vine was prolific. In Israel today, it's highly irrigated. Parts, it's, it's a dry land, uh, uh, but, it, but also a very fruitful land in places. And because of the heat and because of the irrigation, a vine could be, is prolific, will grow prolific, absolutely incredibly. My granddad, um, years ago, he had one little grapevine. It was a tiny little seedling about that. And he had uh, in his backyard, he had, um, he had like a, a covering which um, acted like a little greenhouse. And he put this vine, and over the years he tended it, and he trailed it all the way up, the covering all the way around the edge. It grew to, it was about, I'm not kidding you, it was about that thick. It grew to almost like a tree. And he trained it. It was prolific, incredible, and it would have loads of grapes on it bunches of grapes. It was incredible. So the vine grows prolific. It's fruitful. It's amazing. Um, The vine also, for them, gave great shade. There's an understanding in a very hot climate that you can get shade by the vine because of the great leaves, the prolific leaves, the big leaves. And the vine also gives incredible fruit when trained and when watered well, gives great fruit. The picture of Jesus there is that he is fruitful, that if we abide in him, we can grow prolific, that our lives will be incredibly fruitful. In Jesus, he gives great shade through the challenges of life. When we come to him, he will protect you. He will walk with you. He will keep you. And there's this understanding of the vine, of the shade, of the fruit. Our lives can be incredibly fruitful. And Jesus, when he speaks about being the true vine, This is the sort of understanding. This is the sort of um, understanding that he is giving. So it was prolific in its growth. The vine um, gave incredible shade. And uh, there was this amazing sense of fruit and fruitfulness 
in him. So he describes himself as the true vine, and he says, you and I, in that reading, are the branches. And if we remain in him, we too will be fruitful. We will grow prolific. Our relationships, our relationship with God will be incredible. I am the true vine, and you are the branches. He will give us a supply. He will give us strength. God will tend your life, and you will thrive. We will be fruitful and thrive. So Jesus describing himself there as this true vine. And if we're connected to him in relationship with the living Jesus, then we will thrive. Then he says this, and it's this that I want to concentrate on just for a few moments this morning. He says, I am the true vine, with all the significance that that means. And he says, then my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. One translation says, my father is the vine dresser. In the NIV, I think it says, my father is the gardener. I've said this before, perhaps, and maybe you've heard me say this, but God the Father is a gardener. He's not a butcher. I am a butcher in the garden. I'm not a gardener. I'm not a king gardener. So if I used to cut the, when I used to cut my roses, I may have told the story, I would get the shears out. The shears are for cutting the edges. I would get my shears out. I would see how high I want my roses, and I would just go crack, click, 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 click. It would all be about the same height. You could say I butchered them. And then one day, many years ago, in uh, the city of Aberdeen, I got to know a great, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but a great man called Bruce. And Bruce was a keen gardener. And Bruce would tend his garden with great love. And he said to me, Adrian, you don't need shears, you need secretaires. bit posh. You need a set of secretaires. And then he said this, you don't just go, I want them that height, and you clip them. He says, you obviously want to clip them back because it's going to do them good. You prune. Pruning is good. We'll look at what that means another day. But he said, with the secretaires, you would come to a point and you get to a certain bud. And if you want that, you trace all the buds back. You wouldn't go at the first bud, but you want it a certain height. You come back to a certain bud and you would look to see which way that bud was budding. And you can, you can actually set the height and the direction of where that branch is going to go. And he, he explained to me, with a bit more love and attention and a bit more care, how you could clip. And he was a keen gardener. And it's interesting that Jesus refers to my father, and we understand there's been a, a fresh revelation over the last 20 years of father, but Jesus also describes as he says, my father is the gardener. Incredibly important. I've I've missed that over the years. Another translation says, my father is the vine dresser. Vines are prolific, but vines, I won't say they're, I suppose you could say they're precocious, but that's saying that they've got intelligence. But a vine will just do its own thing and go crazy. And so it needs to be tended, trained, lovingly. And so a vine dresser, someone that is an expert with the vine, brings out its fruitfulness. And it's interesting there that Jesus refers to his father. You read the text yourself. He says, my father is the gardener. I'm the vine, says Jesus. And then my father is the gardener or the vine dresser. Three things about the gardener that I just want to say briefly, and then we'll conclude. First of all, the gardener has loving hands. 
You need to know this because this is incredibly important. Because in some time in the future, we'll look at what it means to... The, the gardener prunes. We'll use the art of pruning. There's an art to pruning. And we'll look at what that means another day. But this is incredibly important. You see, the gardener, the vine dresser, it's all about love. A true gardener absolutely loves their garden. I'm not saying that you go and hug the trees and you hug the plants and say, I love you. But a true gardener loves their garden, absolutely loves it. And there's something even more with Father God. A true vine dresser loves, tends, will have a sense of loving devotion to the plant and the plants. And it's interesting that Jesus describes the Father as the gardener. And the first point I would say is the Father, the vine dresser, the gardener, the true gardener has loving hands. That's incredibly important when the gardener comes and there's pruning takes place. Because sometimes you will prune and even clip fruit. And I'll speak about that another, in, in a bit later. You could say, how could you take away fruit from this? Surely this is a good thing. But sometimes too much fruit on the vine is not necessarily the right thing. And we'll look at what that means in a moment. But we have to understand. I need to understand. I need to actually believe that God is good. So great this morning to be singing that he's a good good father. Intrinsically, God is love. It's a New Testament. Jesus describes that the New Testament writes that the character of God, rather, it's in John, the letters of John, that God is love. It's absolutely true. The song that we sing, he's a good, good father. Intrinsically, God is love. He is good through and through. He has a loving hands, good hands. He's not a hired hand. He's the father, the ultimate father Gardener, the vine dresser. It's not work, it's a labor of love. It's not just labor, it's not just work, it's a labor of love. It takes a long time to vine dress. It takes a long time to clip the right way. If you, with loving devotion, attention to detail, caring hands, skilled hands, loving hands, a heart and hands that says, I want the very best for you. You see, the vine dresser has loving hands attention, devotion. And so in the hands of God, your marriage, your home, your life, my very life, my very existence, we're in the hands of a loving father. The hands of a loving God, intrinsically good and true, who is devoted, absolutely. When Tim shared that picture of the idea of the father holding us in his arms, singing over us, just like a mum and a dad or a parent will sing over you, the father is absolutely devoted. It's incredible. It absolutely blows my mind. The more I read the New Testament, the more it jumps out the page that I am loved. I am loved. You are loved. We are loved to bits. Very important that we get this, or my may labor the point, because the vine dresser comes and will prune the vine. Mother Teresa, who ministered in Calcutta, a lady full of love, full of love, absolutely full of love, said this, prayer is not asking, prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. Prayer is not asking, prayer is, and this is the bit that really struck me, prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God. Then she said, at his disposition. And listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. She was a lady full of love because she'd put her whole life in the hands of God. See, the 
vine dresser, the gardener, our father. We can put our lives in his hands because the vine dresser loves, is devoted, is an expert in loving you and I, the branches of the vine. So he has loving hands. Secondly, the father's hands, the gardener's hands, the vine dresser's hands are expert hands. We have found ourselves on his love. Secondly, I'd say this. He's an expert gardener. He's an expert vine dresser. The vine dresser, the gardener, would know the climate, the weather, the seasons, and the soil. There's so much to know about the soil, the seasons, the time. Actually being able to sniff the season, see the season, feel the season. Intrinsically understand the season. You see, God knows every season of life. He knows what you're going through. He feels what you go through. He knows what you will come to. He actually goes through it with you. The great vine dresser is an expert in climate and weather and season and soil. He knows the best soil for your heart and life. He knows what's the best circumstance and situation for you to be in. You may think it's the best, but he knows the best. This is why he loves to tend the vine. God is an expert. The gardener is an expert. And just as the gardener knows the climate, the weather, the seasons and the soil... So God knows your life. He knows the climate for your life. He knows the seasons for our lives. He knows the very soil of our lives, our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. God knows. He's an expert. He's the vine dresser. It's amazing. When Jesus was sharing this, he was sharing an amazing, incredible, radical principle for life. He knows the climate. He's an expert. Another thing I would say about him being an expert, the power of pruning You have to get that right. It's a bit of a tongue twister. The power of pruning. There's a perfect place at the right bud. My friend Bruce has gone to be with the Lord Jesus now. Would say there's the right place, Adrian. And it's here or it's there. There's a perfect place. Your life will bud. And it could bud in many places. But the vine dresser prunes at the right place. Sometimes the cut may feel as if it hurts. But it leads to great growth. Great fruitfulness in life. We don't understand at the time, but he's the expert. But remember, first of all, he's devoted to you. His hands are hands of love. Secondly, his hands are the hands of an expert. You know, human nature is, I know better. There's so many people that will tell you what to do. There are so many experts. They'll all be on Sky TV or CNN, whatever it is, and they'll tell us about which war, the Gulf War, no war, every war. All these experts, you know, maybe you can taste a little bit of the cynicism in me, a little bit there. Obviously, we do have experts, and I I understand that, and and I would listen to that. But he's the great expert. He's the vine dresser. He's the great gardener. And so he knows the perfect place to prune the bud. Um, Sometimes he will cut off growing branches. What? Why? Why would you cut off good growing branches? Sometimes there are suckers that suck the life, but there'll be other branches. Remember, the vine grows prolific, and sometimes the vine dresser will, the garden will cut off growing branches. It could that they sometimes suck life, but sometimes it's because the branches are shading the light. The vine will grow so much and so prolific, and what seems to be great growth needs to be thinned out a little so that more light and air can get to the general shrub vine. (laughs) You can tell I don't know anything about gardening, can't you? And so apparently, what seems to me, that's a good branch. 
the vine dresser will cut certain branches to allow light and air to get to the plant. And so God works in our lives, not to harm, not to hurt, but so that we may be fruitful. And it's his word. And we'll, we'll look at that, what it means to be pruning will be another day, but we'll look at that. And so the vine dresser is an expert. He cuts to, the, the branches to give light, to take away that which takes the energy, the suckers away, but also certain branches that allow the plant to breathe. And so it will give a well-formed and balanced growth. And so the vine dresser will cut at certain places and prune so that the, there is a well-formed and balanced. It doesn't grow out of control and out of balance. And there'll be some parts of our life that we get sucked into that seems to be that it takes us in an area that becomes so amazing and so great, but it could lead to something that becomes out of balance and out of control. You see, when we're in touch with the vine dresser, the great gardener who's got good hands and expert hands, you and I will have a fruitful marriage, a fruitful life, a fruitful home, a fruitful walking God. The vine dresser knows how to train the plant, to lead the plant, to, to, to grow. It, puts out, it puts, uh, puts out like a runner, the vine does, and the, the branches grow. And so the dresser will train the plant. So in God, there are aspects of our lives that could be growing brilliantly and just growing, growing, growing. But it can take us the wrong way. And so the vine dresser comes and leads us, trains us, so that we follow his paths. But he does it with love, devotion, singing over us, and with expert, expert hands, because he's almighty God. Now, when you understand and begin to understand his love, when you begin to understand that his hands are hands of love, when we begin to understand his hands are expert, because he's God the creator, it's an amazing thing to be in the hands of the great gardener, almighty God. And finally, he has loving hands, the gardener, expert hands. He has fruitful hands. You see, the vine dresser, his desire is that we be fruitful. If you read verse 5 of John 15, it says that you not only are fruitful, but you bear much fruit. The original translation sort of talks about it in a way that it's just super fruitful. You hear people saying, I'm super excited. But there's this understanding of being super fruitful, really growing, alive, thriving. And, and in verse 5, he says, I want you to be, have much fruit. Not just be fruitful, but much fruit. It's incredible. His desire, God's desire, the Father's desire is that we are fruitful. You're fruitful in your life. You're fruitful in your relationship with him. You're fruitful in the church that you're planted in. You're fruitful in community. You're fruitful in work. We're fruitful in marriage. We're fruitful that we thrive. And so it's his delight that we thrive. It's God's delight that we thrive. This is why I said at the very beginning, I'm born to thrive. Not because I'm on a, an ego trip, not because it's positive psychology. Forget all of that. But in the heart of God, he's called us to be fruitful. Jesus wants us to be fruitful. God the Father, the vine dresser, wants you and I to be fruitful to thrive. So therefore, I am born. We are created to thrive in a relationship with Almighty God. It's not about what we do. It's not about where we go. It's about who we follow and remain in. And so it's his delight that we thrive. I understand God is good. I understand that God is love. I understand that he is expert. I understand that he loves me. I understand that his delight is that I thrive. So the gardener will, there's an interesting thing about this area. 
And the gardener, the vine dresser, will expertly and carefully clip the branches and even clip the fruit. There is, an, there is a, a circumstance where, where the bunch of grapes will get so many grapes that the gardener will take some of the grapes away so that the bunch can be succulent and sweet. That's incredible because it's fruit. It'll even take some of the grapes away. Some of those grapes, the gardener will expertly and lovingly, so, so that they won't get too big. They'll still be big bunches. There's a little less, but more fruitful, more succulent, and more sweet, greater. And so the gardener will expertly and carefully clip the branches of the fruit. Too big, too much, so that the bunches will be succulent and sweet. If it's too big and too much, it won't taste quite as sweet. They won't taste quite as sweet and be quite as juicy. And so that's the expert nature. But the fruitful desire, the gardener's desire is for fruitfulness. And sometimes much, lots, doesn't necessarily mean that it's fruitful. You know, more money doesn't necessarily mean that my life is more fruitful. Ask Howard Hughes. Well, he can't because he's died now. But Howard Hughes had lots of money, and he didn't necessarily feel that he was very fruitful. It may glitter, but it's not always gold. You've heard the saying, all that glitters isn't necessarily gold. And just because there's a lot doesn't necessarily... It could be that it is God's fruitfulness in your life, but just be aware. But God's desire is that we are fruitful, and that's his desire. And it might be that we're busy, uh, very busy, but it might not necessarily be that that is... His fruitfulness. He wants us to grow so that we may be sweet, so that our lives will be fruitful, so that we can thrive. So he has loving hands, expert hands, and his desire is that he tends us so that we, with fruitful hands. So, let me conclude, and as we finish now, if we want to thrive, we need to place our lives into the hands of of Almighty God. We need to place our lives in the hands of Almighty God. Let us put our lives in the hands of God. What does that mean for your marriage, for your home, to put your life, and Andrew was leading us this morning about putting our, our hands out and opening up our hearts and giving us to, into the hands of God this morning. A bit earlier on, Pastor Andrew was sharing that. What does it mean for you in your marriage, our home, our lives, our relationships, our children, our loved ones, our anxieties, our joys, our future, our aspirations, our desires, our church, our nation, our lives, our children? What does it mean for you and I, and in those circumstances, to put our hearts and lives into the hands of Almighty God, His loving hands, His expert hands, His fruitful hands? Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this. I have held, this is the man who led to the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. He said this, the the German monk. I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I've placed into God's hands, that I still possess. I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed In God's hands, that I still possess. What an amazing opportunity we have when Jesus says, remain in me 
Let my words remain in you. Abide in me. Rest in me. Let me rest in you. You'll be fruitful. John 15. It's the same idea of giving our hearts and our lives and placing them in the hands of God. Let's pray together. We're going to sing and worship together as we conclude this morning. Heavenly Father, this morning we come and place our lives in your hands. We want to place our past in your hands. There, for some of us this morning, there's things in our past that haunts us and upsets us. So we're going to place our past and put it in your hands. For some of us this morning, there are people that we've hurt or hurt us. And so we're going to place those people and the thoughts of those people and whatever's been said or done, and we're going to put them in your hands. For some of us this morning, we place our work in your hands. We place our marriages in your hands. We place our relationships in your hands. We place our joys, our hopes of the future, our desire in your hands. We place our lives into your loving, gracious, good, expert, and fruitful hands. Father God, I place my life and our church into your hands. It's your church. This is your place. Take it, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You didn't snatch equality with God to be held on to, but you let go. Took the form of a slave. Gave your life unto death. How generous and how gracious and how good you are. You placed your life into the Father's hands. Oh, it's incredible. Now I pray that the power of love, freedom, forgiveness, faith, grace, love, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Reign. Pray for the release of the rhythms of grace in this place, in our hearts, marriages and homes. Hurting hearts released in the rhythm of grace. What's the right season right now? You know, Father God. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. We put our lives into your hands. We say, come and have your way. Take us, gardener, vine dresser, Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.